Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Lynn Menges. And Lynn is uh, the president and chief executive officer of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. And Lynn, I looked it up and it was June 28th of last year when we had you on the program. And that war, that there were some dark days, some very dark days for the restaurants and the motels. And they were, that was probably about the, the, uh, bottoming out. I would, I, I'm just guessing, but, uh, we had a, a, a very interesting program that day. And we talked about all the problems, the restaurants, and the hotels, the motels were facing during that period of time, but things, uh, uh, did get better and uh, are continuing to get better. So where where do the uh, let, let's take the restaurants first, and then we'll talk about the motels and hotels a little later on. But where are our restaurants now, and and uh, how is the recovery working for them? Well, Don, uh, you're right. We uh, certainly are in a better place than we were last uh, June when we spoke. Um, I re- I recall. I mean, I, I can't believe it's been that long. I mean, some, in some ways it seems forever, and in other ways it seems like just yesterday. But you know, restaurants across the state were really shut down for uh, about nine weeks from March to May uh, of last year. And then about June, when we last spoke, we were just beginning to reopen. There was tremendous reluctance among consumers to go back into restaurants. Um, There were significant uh, capacity restrictions. And so, you know, we were really struggling. But here we find ourselves, um, you know, almost a year later, and uh, things are looking pretty good. I mean, the you know, the sun is shining. People are coming back into restaurants. Um, we understand that about 40% of North Carolinians are fully vaccinated now and hopefully more to come. Um, case counts are down. And so, you know, consumer confidence is up. Um, demand for restaurant dining is, is up again. And so things are looking pretty good. We still have plenty of challenges. I want to, don't want to sugarcoat things, but we are, uh, we're feeling pretty good about our situation right now, much better than we were a year ago this time. Well, that's uh, the, sort of the stock answer. We're in great shape for the shape we're in. Uh, <laughs> right. That's right. So, uh, so you know, Don, it is, uh, uh, it's, you know, to be perfectly candid, we are open for business. Uh, demand is strong, but we still have lots of challenges. You know, these restaurants have taken on a significant amount of debt over the last year. I mean, they uh, have struggled to keep their doors open. Many were not successful. Many have closed. Um, and those that are open, you know, have really operated almost most of them at a loss. I mean, the most anybody could do, even if they filled every seat every night, would be about 60 percent capacity because of the social distancing requirements. So um, they've struggled quite a bit. And uh, until those uh, restrictions are, li- are lifted, which we hope will be, you know, June 1 of this year, um, they're going to continue to struggle. And then the, the climb back out of this uh situation is going to be a, a long protracted one. So, you know, to be candid, things look good. We're feeling good. But, um, you know, restaurateurs from a business perspective are not really financially solvent yet. What is the percentage of restaurants uh, compared to before the pandemic began that have ended up uh, closing the doors and uh, not to return? Well, that's a really good question. Well, that's a, a great question and one that we get often, but uh, here's the, the real answer, and it's, it, it is that it is hard to determine how many we've actually lost. I think what we've seen in many situations are restaurateurs who le- whose lease expired, for example, and they may close a location 
and turn around with plans to reopen or, or, or did reopen when things began to, to, to get more, uh, you know, business began to get brisk again. So it's really hard to get a finite number on uh, the number of closures. We feel pretty good uh, that most restaurateurs who were successful pre-pandemic um, are either still in business or are planning to come back. So, you know, my hope is that we have not lost many. Um, we feel, you know, pretty certain that most of them who were in good financial shape going into the pandemic have figured out a way to come back out of it. So, um, you know, it was not an easy feat, but uh, fortunately, I, I hope and, you know, hope that we haven't lost many and think we haven't. Did the PPP plan uh, help the restaurants to any great extent? <sighs> Well, the, the payroll protection the payroll protection program uh, rolled out pretty quickly in the early days of uh, the pandemic and helped lots and lots of businesses across this country. Along that long list of businesses that received PPP uh, were restaurants. So, in North Carolina, uh, our state received about thirteen billion dollars in PPP. Restaurants, hotels, and bars combined only received about one point one billion. So, yes, the answer is it was helpful. Um, there are about 22,000 businesses in that category. I just mentioned restaurants, bars, and hotels, only about 9,000, a little over 9,000 received the PPP. So yes, it was helpful, but, um, you know, it, for most in the early days, it paid for two and a half times payroll for, you know, two and a half months of payroll. So, you know, it wasn't a lot of money. It was enough to help some of them get by, but, um, that alone, uh, by no means is enough to, you know, save a lot of these restaurants. It's, it, we're, we're still, uh, looking for more, we're fortunate that um, the the American Recovery uh, Relief Fund that was just passed by Congress does provide some money for restaurants, and so that grant fund of about two twenty eight point six billion dollars will be helpful. And then we hope to get uh, a stimulus grant program for restaurants, hotels, and bars passed here in North Carolina during this legislative session. The uh, number of restaurants, of course, turned to takeout and. Uh, uh, curbside delivery and so forth. Uh, has that, uh, do you think that's a trend that will continue now that they've learned that habit, uh, that uh, this will be, end up being in addition to indoor seating will also be a big part of their business, maybe bigger than it would have been had we not had the pandemic? Well, I do think there are a lot of things that uh, we've had to embrace during COVID that uh, will remain long after the, the pandemic is over. I think those things include, um, you know, takeout delivery, um, family-sized meals to go where people can pick up a meal, take it home, finish it off, warm it up. Um, I think that's been fairly successful. I think um, delivery apps, uh, Uber Eats, DoorDash, the, those kinds of things have really taken hold. They were already beginning uh, to see an ascent in popularity pre-pandemic, but during the pandemic, they have really become popular. So I think that will remain. Um, things like online ordering, contactless payment and, and uh, delivery, uh, many of those things certainly will remain. And, and I think what's sure to remain is our heightened awareness of uh, health and safety protocols. I think as consumers, uh, we are much more uh, conscious of, you know, hand washing and, uh, you know, sanitization of, of things, uh, not only in restaurants, but in other places. And so that certainly uh, will remain, I think, long after COVID is over. So, you know, good things. Um, it's just, it's just hastened a lot of changes that probably were inevitable anyway, but um, a lot of those I think will remain long after the pandemic's over. The fast food industry had turned, uh, was seeing a big increase 
year to year, almost every year, you'd see more and more people using drive-in windows. I suspect that they, I'm just guessing, uh, this is a guess in the form of a, a question in the form of a guess, that the fast food industry actually survived a little bit better than maybe the casual dining or the fine dining because they were already headed toward a era where lots of people were using drive-in windows anyway. Well, that's a, a great observation. Yes, I, I do think those uh, fast casual restaurants, the quick serve restaurants who were positioned to do takeout and delivery already or drive through uh, certainly fared much better than fine dining or family style type restaurants. Uh, and so they've done pretty well overall uh, across the state. And I think that will continue. I mean, we're all in a hurry. Folks are you know, busy getting from one place to another to another and they like to be able to drive through. So that that trend, I think, continued, and those restaurants did well. In fact, in some cases, they picked up business um, because people couldn't actually go in and sit down as families. And so, you know, there was a shift um, in dining across North Carolina. Um, but uh, for, on the most part, those those takeout uh, restaurants did fairly well. I will say, though, there was there is one exception to that, and that is that location matters. Um we saw in these urban city centers where folks used to commute in from the suburbs into city centers, you know, those fast serve restaurants, quick serve restaurants did not fare as well. And that's largely because they didn't have that influx of workers, you know, going into the, to the workplace every day. Those uh, large office buildings remain, you know, quiet during most of 2020 and into 2021. So, um, you know, I think geography has had a lot to do with it, not just the kind of restaurant, but the, the location has had a, a big part to play in those restaurants that have fared well versus those that have struggled. How, is that uh, business returning and uh, how rapidly is it returning? Well, the one thing we are most eager to see is uh, folks getting back into offices across the state. Uh, we know that many restaurants, uh, excuse me, many offices have allowed their employees to work remotely. That's a, a trend that I think workers have actually enjoyed. Um, but I think it's really important that we began to see people come back into offices across the state um, to get back to business as normal. And with that will come restaurant dining and, and business travel, which also plays into, you know, hotel stays, uh, airline travel. I mean, for us to receive, to, to see full normalcy, we're going to have to see a, a return to the workplace. Um, and, and we do expect that to happen. It's already happening now, I think. But uh in, in many cases, uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a protracted recovery as, as people are waiting maybe a, a few months until the vaccine is more prevalent uh, before they call their workers back into to office buildings. But that will play a huge role in, uh, in getting business back into restaurants, bars, and hotels. Tell me about the Restaurant Revitalization Fund. Well, you know, we have said all along that uh, the losses that restaurants have faced are just so significant that this industry needed a, a program, a relief program that was unique to, to the hospitality sector. Um, we were successful in working with colleagues from around the country to get the uh, American Rescue Plan passed. And in that, uh, the, the restaurant recovery program, that really will offer a, a grant program of about $28.6 billion to restaurants who have seen a decrease in business year over year. Um, the, the challenge with that is that it's not nearly enough money to meet all the need. I mean, the need is significant across the state. So uh, we expect when the, the application process begins on Monday, May 3rd, um, the SBA will be inundated with applications and the money should go pretty quickly. So um, though we love the program, 
we need much, much more money to allow it to, to be really successful in helping many restaurants across the state to recover. The supply chain, of course, changed as people begin to uh, eat at home more. Uh, is the supply chain reversing again now and uh, are restaurants becoming more important to that uh, to the vendors? Well, the supply chain uh, has been a really interesting part of this, and that, that struggle continues even today. Uh, I think we had it right, and now we've shifted back. And so now that people are coming back into restaurants, we're finding challenges with getting things like ranch dressing uh, because they're not uh, workers in the factories to produce products to deliver to restaurants. Uh, we have chicken plants that are cut uh, that are shut down because they can't find workers, and that's a whole other subject. I hope we can talk about later in the in the program today. Um, but you know, plenty of challenges still for this industry, and it is a lot of that is centered around supply chain and availability of product that's so crucial. We are going to turn in the next segment to talking about the the other part of Lynn's job, and that's the lodging folks, the hotels and motels because they also, of course, had radical changes to their operations. And uh, then we'll talk about some legislation and uh, other matters that are affecting restaurants and hotels for that matter, too. And we'll do that when we return with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers. You stay tuned. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Melissa from Michigan. I work an extra part-time job serving lunch at my child's school. But I still can't afford to put food on our table. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back with Lynn Menges, who is the president and CEO of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. As we said when we opened the program, we talked with her about a year ago. Actually, it was June the 28th, probably the low point in the, the uh, effects that uh, the, those uh, two uh, categories were having from uh, the pandemic. And, and uh, things began to turn around a little bit piece by piece, month by month. And in the first segment, we talked about the effects and the return to some semblance of returning to the restaurants. Now we want to turn to the hotels because uh, that's an entirely different situation. And Lynn, you know, one of the things that uh, hotels and motels have done for years has depended a great deal on business travel. And business travel uh, may not come back like it did uh, because people are learning to use Zoom and 
other forms of communications. What's the outlook there? Well, Don, hotels have really struggled during the pandemic for lots of reasons. But, uh, you know, I think largely many of these hotels are, are so dependent on business travel, transient business travel. And those are folks like you and me who travel to conventions or, you know, to, to do business in another part of our state or in another state. Uh, and that business really shut down as people were forced to work from home during the pandemic to not fly, to not travel. Um, that business really just stopped on a dime. And so uh, those those hotels across our state have struggled, really. Um, in addition, we've seen the cancellation of meetings and events, of festivals, conventions, all of that kind of business went away literally overnight. And capacity restrictions for hotel meetings were at one point in the pandemic limited to 10 people in an indoor setting. Um, I participated in a meeting of 10 people in a great big ballroom to create the kind of capacity restrictions that are required. And it was a, 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 a very odd sort of setting. And so, you know, because of that hotel business, particularly in urban parts of our state has, have suffered where we have seen the, um, the increase is in leisure travel. I think many people, you know, felt pent up at home. They were eager to get out and travel and spend time with family and friends, particularly family, their own households. And so we saw leisure destinations, uh, hotel occupancy really increase. And that happened in, in the mountains of North Carolina and along our coast. As people flocked from their homes to those kind of leisure destination settings, um, those parts of our occupancy uh, really saw increases. But the, the urban centers, you know, Charlotte, Raleigh, Durham, Greensboro, Chapel Hill, um, you know, the urban Winston-Salem, the High Point, uh, you know, Wilmington area, those parts of our state's uh, hotel product saw significant declines. So overall, we really have not seen occupancy above 50% in this state until this month. This is the first month we've seen occupancy slip above 50%. And that's a big number we've been watching because it's at 50% that hotels hope to break even. Below that, they've, they've suffered significant loss. Well, you mentioned uh, events, but uh, things like weddings and family reunions were also a big part of the weekend business of a lot of motels and hotels. And uh, of course, those those events also were canceled. Are they returning? Well, we are seeing you know great demand for weddings and uh, family reunions and that kind of thing. I think the uh, the challenge that we've had to face is the uncertainty with planning because we haven't known what the you know the forecast was going to be. So in many cases, you know, wedding is often planned six months in advance, and uh, many of these brides that our folks have been dealing with have rescheduled their weddings several times during COVID. Uh, many of them have just opted for much smaller events than they would have normally done just because of the uncertainty around COVID. Things like dance floors are closed. And so, you know, those have really, really created challenges for those kinds of events. But we are beginning to see those come back. I think the governor's recent announcement uh, of an increase in uh, up to 200 people together in an outdoor setting or 100 in an indoor setting certainly, you know, bodes well for those kinds of events beginning to to reoccur across North Carolina. So that's that's going to help a lot, I think. But it's been a tough haul. I mean, these these hotels have really, really struggled event venues, caterers along with that. Um, it's been a it's been a, a tough few months. So now you, you mentioned uh, events that up to 100 now are possible indoors. Uh, what were you operating? You were operating a much, much more restricted uh, for a long time. Uh, 
how, uh, when do you think that will be totally removed now that uh, we're crossing uh, that uh, threshold of where we, by maybe late July, we may have 70% of our folks vaccinated? Yeah, we are looking very closely at uh, at the numbers and watching uh, the governor as he provides updates on uh, new guidance uh, month to month. Uh, he announced new guidance today, and so we expect to see uh, hopefully the lifting of many of the restrictions that we've experienced on June one. I think his, you know, he has said that he will lift all the restrictions on June one and may lift the mask restriction when um, you know a, a large percentage of our population has been vaccinated. So we're eager to see that happen. Uh, but the, the lifting of capacity restrictions and social distancing will be a game changer for our industry. We're eagerly uh, course, you know, awaiting that hopefully June 1. Of course, a number in the lodging business, hotels and uh, particularly, and uh, many motels also have dining uh, facilities. Uh, how did they handle that? Well, they, they have been uh, dealing with the, the restrictions on uh, in-dining service, just like restaurants have. So during the pandemic, they were not allowed to serve uh, food at all in those hotels uh, in, for, for dining. They delivered uh, meals to rooms or they had bags to go for folks who wanted to grab a, a muffin, an apple, a cup of juice or coffee to go. But they were not able to provide indoor dining. So, you know, many of the challenges cross both, both sectors, uh, restaurants and hotels, um, and so they've had to deal with much of the much of the same. What about construction of new hotels and motels? Because North Carolina, many sections of North Carolina are growing so rapidly, it was not unusual to see uh, plans for new hotels and new motels to be built and constructed. Has that uh, stopped completely, or is are do are there plans for new construction underway right now? North Carolina has uh, had tremendous growth in hotel supply for many, many years. We've seen year over year increase in supply, new hotels coming out of the ground, many new rooms being added to our uh, portfolio. Um, and, and I think that has continued during COVID. I, I know that most investors, most hotel owners and operators realize that COVID is a temporary setback and that things will rebound. And when they rebound, uh, we expect to get back to brisk business again. And so I think much of that has continued. Um, but we're eager to see these these groups, these meetings, conventions, uh, the 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 business come back to help support and sustain that. But I do think we're seeing a, a, a good amount of hotel development that was already in the pipeline pre-pandemic, and then for those uh, who were already uh, considering, and I think many of those have continued with plans, you know, recognizing that COVID was a, a, a temporary setback and that things should return to normalcy hopefully sometime soon. Well, we have a, a number, a, a, you alluded earlier to the fact that uh, we have a number of tourist destinations, and I suspect that the business for those folks has returned quicker than, uh, than say, the business travel, um, and uh, that's uh, good for those and not so good for those who are losing the business travel. Do you think the business travel and the conventions that we used to have and the, and the meetings, will that ever come back completely? I do think that uh, business is going to come back. I, I think that there's there's no replacement for the face-to-face -face meetings that we have done historically. And those involve, you know, person-to-person -person business conversations, uh, meetings, appointments, as well as conventions and larger gatherings, trade shows, for example. And so I think we're going to see a lot of that uh, continue pre-pandemic or post-pandemic. 
but we have all learned to use Zoom and and other technology platforms, virtual platforms, and those you know have have worked pretty well. But for most of us, I think we're eager to to get back to some sort of normalcy. So I think we're going to see a rebound in business and uh, look forward to you know greeting greeting guests back. We do have demand. I will say that already that North Carolina has seen strong demand for those kinds of things. It's just that the guidance that we've been given and had to operate under in North Carolina um, have curtailed that business. So we've seen a lot of business, frankly, uh, moving to places like um, South Carolina and Georgia and Florida, where they had more relaxed restrictions on those kinds of events uh, versus the ones that we had to, to, to deal with here in North Carolina. So we have lost some business. I think demand is there. Um, I think that uh, meeting planners, event planners are just eager to see North Carolina return to normalcy in terms of reduced uh, or increasing capacity, lifting the capacity restrictions and uh, per person restrictions that have suppressed business for a while. Well, I asked this question about the restaurants in the first segment. Uh, Let me ask it about the hotels and motels. Uh, Did we have many closures uh, and uh, are those that were closed, are they looking at a reopening? I have not seen many hotels close. I, I do know that most hotels, almost all hotels, have struggled significantly. And I, I think it's because of you know the scale of their business. Their business model is designed to, you know, have have about 70 or 80 percent occupancy a night. And when that plummets to 10 or 20 percent, those rooms go unsold and can't be sold, you know, later. You can't recoup that. It's disposable inventory. So, you know, these hotels have really, really struggled and and they've done that at a time that their fixed costs have remained the same. So their their lease or their mortgage has remained the same. Their insurance, their taxes, property taxes have remained the same. Um, You know, most of their their bills, their utility bills have remained largely the same, despite the fact that in almost every case, their revenue coming into the hotel has has hovered at 20 or 30 percent. Uh, during much of this pandemic, they have really struggled and taken on significant amounts of debt. Um, and it's, it's really the, the hotels that I'm most concerned about now coming out of the pandemic. I think their recovery is going to be very protracted. And, and the challenge is going to be that even when we turn the green light on and say we're open for business, there will be a significant lag in when meetings and conventions and trade shows can get on the books and can happen. I mean, there's a lag in, in, in weddings. I mean, there's a lag of for those kinds of events for, you know, six, eight months, uh, a year in many cases. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be a while until they, they rebound. Um, and economically, they are all struggling. It's been especially tough on, on hotels. We mentioned earlier the Restaurant Revitalization Fund. Is there any help coming from the federal government for hotels and motels that's similar? Well, there are some, uh, some plans for some recovery. Uh, a, a new program was announced today. Um, that is a uh, Safe Hotel Job Act uh, that hopefully would be a, uh, a part of a, the next COVID relief package when and if that comes uh, that would provide for some um, stimulus specifically designed for hotels. So we're eager to, to work to shape that program, but uh, know that those hotels are going to need some, some help as they struggle to recovery. It will be some time until they're, they're back to normalcy. The travel from uh, North Carolina, of course, is halfway between New York and Florida, so there's a lot of north-south travel. Uh, how did those uh, particular hotels along that travel route, uh, how did they hold up compared to, say, uh, a, a hotel in the in the uh, middle of Raleigh? 
I think, again, um, you know, individual travel remains strong, robust, probably stronger than normal because people were so eager to get out of their homes. They weren't traveling for work. They were eager to to get out and go to safe places. And I think North Carolina feels and, and seems safe. And you know, we have outdoor, unpro- I mean, very protected spaces. And so, um, you know, our business has been brisk. We've seen people continue to travel up and down our interstate corridors and staying at hotels along those corridors. Um, and so I think that business has remained strong. Re- where we really saw the decline were in the urban centers, uh, where that, that business travel uh, was really restricted meetings, conventions, festivals, events. Um, that's where we've seen most of the decline. But but I think individual travel has remained very strong. And I think we can see that continue, that trend continue uh, for the, the, the future going forward. Our guest is Lynn Menges, and we'll be back with more uh, talk about the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association right after these messages. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo GOAT G-O-A-T Acronym stands for greatest of all time, as in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner. They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Lynn Benjes is our guest. She's the uh, president and CEO of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. She's been in that role since December 12th, and her life was uh, sort of turned upside down about uh, a year and a month ago when uh, all of a sudden uh, the economy, especially in that sector, almost came to a screeching stop. And uh, But uh, we had her on the program in June of last year, and I suspect that was sort of the bottoming out period. And we've been talking about how these hotels and restaurants are uh, handling the uh, recovery. And some of them are beginning to see the light of day, which is good. And uh, Lynn, uh, I know you're, you have uh, for years been involved in this whole area. Uh, at one point in time, you were Assistant Secretary for Tourism, Film and Sports Development with the North Carolina Department of Commerce. Uh, So uh, travel and tourism is in your blood, and uh, I'm sure that you are watching this recovery with uh, great anticipation. Don, travel and tourism, our hospitality industry is in my blood. I've spent my entire career, nearly 30 years in this state, 
uh, working to promote restaurants, hotels, attractions, uh, breweries, wineries, distilleries, uh, tourist attractions. And uh, COVID-19, you know, has really just decimated this industry in a way, unlike we've seen in other industries. Um, last year in 2020, we saw North Carolina's economy grow by about $8.1 billion. We saw our hospitality sector decline in taxable sales revenue by $4.5 billion. So what happened was that we weren't traveling. We were, weren't dining out in restaurants. We were instead buying furniture, painting, doing gardening, uh, you know, going to the grocery store, cooking at home. Uh, we saw a shift in the way people spent money. And the stimulus money that came into North Carolina really, you know, helped to to stimulate our economy just as it was designed to do. And so, you know, we have seen um, our economy maintain, you know, fairly strongly during COVID-19, but our sector has been uh, disproportionately impacted. Um, and that's been hard to watch. But at the same time, it's really um, uh, caused us to come together as an industry, to flex our muscles, to talk to members of Congress or to senators, uh, to work with policymakers at the state capitol, legislators on both sides of the aisle, Governor Cooper and his administrator, his administration, as well as mayors and county commissioners all across the state. All of these folks together have played a vital role in helping us to get through COVID-19 and will continue to um, until we recover. So, you know, a lot of work with elected officials, but it's what we do every day. And um, I've spent the last almost nine years now with the North Carolina Restaurant Lodging Association doing just that. But we've really had to step up to the plate during COVID-19 in ways that we had never imagined. Well, it, it's uh, fascinating. Now, I think before the uh, COVID-19 situation uh, began, I think uh, I think you told me that about 12 percent of the state's workforce uh we're working at restaurants and hotels and uh, members of your association. That's a huge part of the state's economy. It is. And so, you know, about 510,000 North Carolinians earned their living in our uh, hospitality sector. Uh, in March of this year, we only had about 430,000 people working. So you see there a decline of, you know, nearly 80,000 workers uh, year over year. So, you know, it, it, our industry came to a halt um, on a dime. And uh, that's after the rebuild, after we've seen some of those folks being hired back. So we really, really struggled uh, during COVID, lost a lot of workers and continue to struggle to, to get workers back into the workplace. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the, the uh, employment situation in the final segment. But uh, one of the good things that's come out of this uh, is the General Assembly does have money. The state's economy turned out okay. And uh, there's actually surplus money that uh, last year this time, I suspect we uh, did not know that we would have. And that's uh, giving the General Assembly a lot more flexibility with uh, regard to the things they can do. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is now that the schools are coming back, uh, but they're, the calendars are all messed up from uh, stem to stern with trying to recover uh, the time that kids we're in classrooms. How is that going to affect vacations and travel? Well, we, um, you know, we always try to protect the summer season so that folks can uh, enjoy family vacations. Kids can go to camps and those kinds of businesses that are dependent on the, you know, 10 week summer season uh, can enjoy those kind of activities. During COVID, though, we know that we have to, to work together to 
be flexible. I mean, certainly parents and students and teachers have been very flexible during COVID-19. And uh, so we've, you know, we've seen a little bit of a, a shift during that. However, you know, again, leisure travel really hasn't suffered because families have been able to get uh, to, to do getaways, um, even if kids were online and doing virtual schooling. So um, we, we fared pretty well uh, during it's been a mixed bag of tricks, then, I guess. It, yes, it has been. It has been. And we, we know that we're going to have to be flexible, but we hope that, you know, as kids return to the classroom, teachers return to the classroom, that we can get back to some some sense of normalcy and still protect that important summer season uh, so that families can travel and our tourism industry can enjoy robust business uh, during the June, July, and August. So as you uh, work with the General Assembly here in the state of North Carolina, we'll talk about the national situation in a few moments. Uh, what are your legislative priorities uh, for the for this session of the General Assembly? As we uh, prepared for the General Assembly to come back into its legislative long session in January, we uh, began to have meetings with every single member of the North Carolina General Assembly. Uh, we did that after we had a considerable amount of input from restaurants, hotels, bars across the state about the kinds of policy changes that they believed would help them to recover. And we put together a blueprint for revival of the North Carolina hospitality industry. Um, there are a number of policy initiatives that we set forth in that uh, rather lengthy document uh, and we built the case that essentially said several things. First of all, our industry has been disproportionately impacted. Restaurants, hotels, and bars lost money where every other sector of our state's economy saw an increase. Second of all, the relief that we've felt to date has been disproportionate to the loss. And then thirdly, the relief that we've experienced to date, largely the payroll protection program, has been insufficient to address uh, the staggering losses that our industry has incurred. And so that was the first part of that uh, revival plan is to, to lay out the case for how we've been uniquely impacted and, and why we believe policymakers need to work hard to address uh, the challenges that our industry has faced in the uh, name of, you know, public health, protecting public health and safety. When we've been forced to close and we've done that graciously, but at the same time, businesses have suffered. And so we rolled out a plan and included in that are several key initiatives that we've been asking policymakers to pass during this legislative session. And we have had, you know, great uh, interest from policymakers. We're about halfway through the session and that's being optimistic. Uh, they may go longer, but uh, we're well underway in this session and we're seeing some great traction on many of these initiatives that we believe can make a real difference in helping these uh, struggling businesses recover. When has uh, tourism from out of state into North Carolina tourist attractions and uh, locations? How's, how has that held up? Well, tourism has, you know, largely fared pretty well. I mean, we're, we're seeing folks from other states coming into North Carolina. I think they respect uh, the, the caution with which we have operated during COVID-19. I think our governor and his administration, Dr. Mandy Cohen, have done a phenomenal job. They've been uh, exceptionally cautious, uh, collaborative, um, and deliberate about the decisions they've made. I mean, I think people feel comfortable with the mask mandate and uh, social distancing protocols, and I, I think that's worked well for us. Um, so, I, you know, our business has remained fairly strong. Again, where consumers drive demand, so on the leisure side, um, business has remained strong. Um, but again, that business travel and uh, meeting convention event travel 
is where we've seen the, the decline. There are no large concerts. There are no large sporting events. Uh, and those are important things that normally drive demand for hotel occupancy and restaurant dining. And uh, as we've seen those canceled because of restrictions, um, that's really where we've suffered. But as, as far as, you know, just uh, individual demand for travel you know, coming from neighboring states or up and down the East Coast, that's remained really strong. We talked uh, earlier, uh, I asked you the question about your legislative priorities with the state government. What about uh, the industry's uh, position with uh, federal regulation and uh, legislation? Uh, anything there that uh, we need to talk about? Yeah, so we, we really work very closely with our partners at the federal level. So on the restaurant side, we work uh, hand in glove with the National Restaurant Association and on the hotel side with the American Hotel and Lodging Association. Uh, both of those organizations have really been on the forefront of driving federal policy during COVID-19 with things like the Payroll Protection Program, where other businesses receive two and a half times monthly payroll. Those two industries, restaurants and hotels, received three and a half times payroll in the second round of PPP. That was a change that was a real deal maker. Um, we've seen the restaurant revitalization plan passed, which is $28.6 billion of stimulus grant money um, that will be made available starting on Monday to restaurants that have struggled. Um, we've seen uh, the employee retention tax credit uh, serve many of our members, and we've tried to make information available to those folks uh, so that they could take advantage of that. And then on the state side, uh, we've worked really hard on public health and safety initiatives, count on me and see, that really has helped to, um, to train. Tell me about that program. To, to train frontline workers on, uh, on, on best practices for operating during COVID. And I think that's played an important role in uh, encouraging uh, guests to come back into restaurants and hotels. I know that these businesses who are a part of the program have, have taken extra precautions for operating during COVID-19. Tell me just a little bit about the Calumny NC program. North Carolina was was one of the first states, I believe we were the first state in the nation to embark on such a program. And it was largely driven out of the fact that all of the research we were watching in the early days of COVID, you know, indicated that consumers were reluctant, reticent to come back into businesses. They were concerned about their health and safety, particularly in restaurants where they had to remove masks and uh, they were they, they felt uncertain about new uh, public health protocols. So we worked, our North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association, in partnership with the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services to create a training program for restaurant and hotel workers, front of the house, back of the house, hotel, restaurant owners and operators, those who clean those facilities. Um, we created a training program and implemented it statewide for all the workers in our industry and had that online and available, five courses, uh, two languages, English and Spanish, and it was all available before restaurants and hotels re even reopened for guests on May 22nd last year. So we're really proud of that initiative, and it's something we've continued to invest in and change uh, and grow as the protocols change, as the guidance changes. We've updated that training curriculum, but we want to make sure that uh, individuals who work in the hospitality industry across North Carolina understand the guidance and protocols and practice that. So that's been a, a very important part of our initiative here in North Carolina, and we're especially proud of it. Again, I think we were the first state in the nation 
to do anything of this kind. Others have followed, but we were first out of the box um, and really proud of our, our focus on public health. Well, I think you should be, because that uh, I was very taken with that effort and, and thought that it really had a basic uh, uh, and very long-lasting effect, uh, although the effect is on the short term. It did have a great effect on people's confidence. And uh, so I congratulate you and your associates on that uh, that program. I think it was just great. Uh, Thank you. In the final Thank segment, you. in the final segment, uh, which we have coming up here in just a moment, we're going to be talking about another big problem that the restaurants and uh, the hotels and motels have. Uh, and that is right now, there's uh, uh, a lot of jobs that are open and everyone is having trouble filling these jobs. And you wouldn't think that would be necessarily the case, but it is. So we're going to talk about that when we return with our guest, Lynn Mangies, who's president and CEO of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. And we'll do that right after these messages. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities. He's been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them. But I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me, and my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Lynn Menges, a native of Bladen County, North Carolina, uh, and a graduate of both Peace College and North Carolina State University. And she has been in the, uh, uh, the hospitality industry uh, most of her professional life, if not all of it, uh, both working at uh, the state of North Carolina in travel and tourism, and now in her role as the CEO and the president of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. We had Lynn on about a year ago when uh, things looked a little dark. Things are looking better. Uh, but uh, there's one huge problem, Lynn, that uh, we have put off to this segment, and that is a lot of uh, people are having difficulty filling job vacancies. And this is uh, actually working against a recovery. Tell me about that. Well, it really is. I mean, after months and months of struggling, you know, through capacity restrictions, stay-at-home orders, curtailed hours, and services being shut down, uh, we're now feeling better about things. People have been vaccinated. Uh, demand for dining out, travel is high again. And so restaurants and hotels are trying to, you know, rehire. They were trying to restaff and, and, and get folks back together so that they can serve guests. 
Um, and what we're finding all across our state is a real shortage of workers to to work in the hospitality industry. This is not unique to our industry, by the way. We're hearing that from colleagues in you know, home building and, and just all other kinds of retail, all, all sectors of our, our state's economy. Um, but it really has posed some significant challenges. And, uh, you know, ironically, it's uh, the greatest challenge we face to date. Does this uh, problem exist not only with the hotels and, uh, uh, and the restaurants, but also with the vendors that are the, uh, part of the supply chain? Well, it does. I mean, so there are just so many, so many impacts of worker shortages. So we have, you know, restaurants who are trying to rehab a higher staff at all levels. So, you know, from management on down to, you know, servers, back of the house, dishwashers, many of those are offering incentives to get people to come in to work. And even with those incentives, in some cases, a thousand dollars to get workers on board, they're not successful at hiring. I hear hoteliers who have demand for hotel rooms and they're having to turn away guests because they don't have housekeepers to keep, to clean the rooms. Um, you know, many have hired workers. Uh, they, they've done Zoom interviews and uh, then the workers don't show up. One told me that he hired eight in one day and only two showed up to work. So, you know, this is a recurring, this is a recurring theme that I'm hearing from all over the state and from my colleagues across the country. It's a real challenge um, to have those frontline workers in the industry. But as you mentioned, Don, it's not just limited to frontline workers in restaurants and hotels. We're having trouble getting supply. So in many cases, you know, the chicken that we serve in restaurants, the facilities that to process those chicken, those, that, that chicken are shut down because they don't have workers. Um, in many cases, you know, the ranch dressing that's served in restaurants can't be manufactured because up the, up the supply chain, they don't have workers to, to make that product. So it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic right now. One of my colleagues called it the hunger games, um, where employers are fighting, you know, to get, to, to get workers. Um, you know, it's really survival of the fittest, whoever can get workers to come back into their establishments and can shore up their supply chain may be successful. Uh, but the others are going to, you know, do without. So it's a, it's a real challenge for us right now. Um, and I'm not sure there are any quick and easy solutions. It's it's a problem with full time workers and part time workers, or is is the shortage more in full time or part time? I think the shortage is in both, and I think there are several factors that are playing into it. Uh, largely, right now, we're seeing uh, impacts uh, for, from immigration. I think um, uh, there was a, a controversial ban on temporary worker visas, J one program for students, and an H two B program for non agricultural laborers. Um, that was put in place by the uh, previous administration. Um, it, it, we also are seeing embassies shut down uh, and international travel curtailed. And so those international workers are not able to come in. And we've been dependent as an industry on that. And so that's a part of the problem. Um, we're also seeing people who still are concerned about being uh, in the public. They still are not over COVID. They maybe haven't been vaccinated. They don't feel comfortable working on the front line. And in many cases, those employees are eligible for unemployment uh, benefits. And so, you know, they are choosing to stay home, um, take advantage of the unemployment that's available to them um, and waiting until things feel safer, until they're comfortable coming back to work. So we're seeing that happen as well. And then, you know, finally, we're seeing uh, all these businesses coming back to life uh, and the demand for workers is at an all time high. Uh, all of this is happening kind of at the same time. So there are plenty of job openings and just a few people who are available to take those jobs. 
So it's an interesting conundrum we find ourselves in right now. Um, and we're working hard to, to try and address it, but there are no real easy answers. Well, the uh, subsidies that the federal government gave to people, plus unemployment in many cases, equals more money than they could make if they were working. Uh, when will that, uh, that affect end? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think all the uncertainties around uh, stimulus and unemployment uh, have been a little bit hard to navigate. I'm not sure any of us really fully understands uh, how that is all working. Um, but nonetheless, I, I do understand that there is a, an opt-out that employees who don't feel comfortable coming to work, even if they're offered a job, uh, they have the right to decline that and to collect unemployment. So we're hearing situations where an employer calls an employee back to work. Um, they refuse that based on their fear of COVID, but they're still eligible to collect unemployment. So we're hearing that happening in uh, circumstances across our state. But I believe it's a, a part of the federal guidance, a part of the federal stimulus program. So there's not much we seem to be able to do about that um, here in our state. What about seasonal uh, employment for uh, college students? Because I know at the beaches and in the mountains very often when you go in a restaurant there, you'll see college workers. Are they returning uh, to the workforce or are they holding out also? I do think there is some really good opportunity to, to get seasonal workers, uh, high school students who are looking for college work or are looking for summer work, uh, college students who are looking for summer work. And in some cases, I've seen uh, employers reach out to homeless shelters or um, to correctional facilities for individuals who are uh, coming out of correctional facilities and are willing to take jobs in, uh, in, in the public sector. Um, I think we're seeing a real shift in how we uh, introduce people into to careers in the industry. Um, and so all of that working together, hopefully will will create some relief, particularly this, through the summer. And uh, we're optimistic that, you know, maybe things will be better in the fall of this year. But the summer is going to be a little bit of touch and go. And we're going to see hotels not being able to open fully or restaurants not being able to, to serve at capacity just simply because they can't find workers, even despite the fact many of them are offering signing bonuses. I mean, there's never been a better time to find a job in the hospitality industry. I will tell you that um, wages are at an all-time high. Hourly wages are at a, a, an all-time high. Um, it's just that there are not enough workers available to fill the many jobs that uh, these businesses are now working to create. Well, it's an interesting situation. And of course, as you said, the hospitality industry is not the only one that is finding difficulty uh, filling job openings. And uh, a part of that is, uh, as you said earlier, uh, many of the sectors uh, of the economy are doing quite well. And so they have a lot of openings. I know we in our company, we have around 32 openings right now. Um, about 16 of those are critical. Uh, but uh, the number of applicants and the applicant flow is, is uh, at a crawl. So it, it is a serious problem. It's a good problem. It's a healthy problem. And it, I guess in the long run, it'll lead to something good. I think so. I mean, I, I do think we can be proud as North Carolinians that our economy is strong. I mean, many of the fiscally conservative policies that have been put in place over the last recent years have served us well. Our North Carolina economy, you know, is strong and, and growing. Um, you know, the, the fact that we have demand for jobs is phenomenal. I remember in, not too, in the not too far dis distant future, you know, we had a, a rather high unemployment rate. I mean, now this is getting better. And so, you know, I think we should feel good about that. 
um, we just need to work hard to um, to introduce folks to careers in the hospitality industry. We're beginning to have these conversations at the community college level, at the high school level, where I think in North Carolina, we have not done nearly as good a job as we should of introducing high school students to career opportunities in the trades. I think there's tremendous opportunity in other states, our surrounding states, um, Florida, South Carolina, uh, Virginia have done a much better job than we have of, of introducing students to the trades at the high school level. So I think there's great opportunity there. Our community colleges are phenomenal, um, but we could invest more and grow those programs. So we're we're currently having those kind of conversations um, and hope to expand some of those um, those career training uh, opportunities that would create pathways for careers in the industry, not just transactional jobs, but career pathways that can make a real difference uh, for our industry. Well, Lynn, we've got about uh, two minutes left in the program. So what's at the top of your agenda as you enter the month of May? What uh, are you looking at as far as uh, what you're going to be spending your time working on to help the members of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association? Well, Don, we are hard at work over at the General Assembly right now. Uh, one of the things that we're keenly focused on is trying to get relief uh, for businesses that took advantage of the payroll protection program. Uh, North Carolina is one of only three states in the nation that will not allow businesses who receive that PPP money to deduct the business expenses that they use that money for. Uh, only California and Hawaii and North Carolina would propose to tax the individual for those dollars that they received. And so we're working hard to get that across the finish line. We've gotten it through the house. We're now working on the Senate. Um, it's been quite controversial for some reason, but we're eager to get that done. I mean, it, it seems unfair that the federal government will forgive those taxes, and um, we're finding challenges here in North Carolina. So working hard on that. We are also asking uh, the governor as well as members of the General Assembly to use some of the new federal money that is coming to North Carolina as a carve-out for a grant program for hospitality businesses that are struggling and then finally, I will uh, just mention that we're asking for property tax relief. When we talked uh, earlier in the segment about hotels and the way that they've been impacted, interesting that we've seen hotel uh, revenues plummet, but the tax bills and many of these hotels pay significantly high tax bills, $300,000, $400,000. Um, those property tax bills have continued to come. And in many cases, they're valued uh, every four years. And so, you know, we're eager to um, get some relief. And we're being told by local taxing officials that we have to get that done at the state government level at statutory uh, relief to allow them to be flexible. So those are some of the things we're working on now over at the General Assembly. Uh, forgiveness of ABC permit fees. That's just a small thing for businesses who haven't been allowed to serve alcohol. We don't think they should have to pay their annual fees. They need some forgiveness this year. Um, so plenty on our plate as we uh, work hard during the current legislative session to, to help our industry recover. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for this update. Uh, Lynn Menges, president of the uh, North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. Uh, if you missed the broadcast and like to hear a repeat, or if you missed two of the segments, you can go online to carolinaviewsmakers.com and uh, either hear a repeat of the entire broadcast or just the segments that you might have missed or if you want to share them with a friend. Jason will have another guest for us next week. So the next week, have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. 
Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.